Welcome to show number 13. We talk with a friend of mine, John Joe Keel, a very fast runner. And uh, he's a national park ranger at, uh, in the Big Island here. He's an interpretive ranger. And he was also doing that on uh, Alcatraz. So he had a couple of interesting stories there. He was a participant in the 2013 Boston Marathon. He finished about an hour and a half before the bombings. But he tells his story on that. And we hope you please do stay safe and enjoy. Aloha. We have John Joe Keel here. Happy Aloha Friday, John. How are you? Aloha, Joe. I'm doing pretty well. How's the weather? You're uh, in Palisades, right? You're up in Kona Town. Yep. Yeah, just north of Palisades, past Matsuyama's by about a mile or so, up in the wet area of Kona. A lot of rain <laughs> last couple of weeks. Every well, afternoon a, when I'm trying to do some work around the house is when it starts raining. That's, that's right. You've been doing lanai work, if I remember now correctly. Yes. A thousand foot deck. It's going to take me probably three years when I finish. Well, I'm on two now, but I'm hopeful. I'm on railing. So um, very slow, but it's very solid. And, and I'm very happy with my progress. I've been, been learning a lot. So it's been a great project. Good. Well, uh, we can t we can talk about those skills too. But you have you have uh, many other skills, uh, certainly as a, a runner and uh, as uh, one of our uh, national park people. So, but first of all, I, you know, I totally spaced it out that you you're actually raised. Uh, are you were you raised over in Honolulu? Yes, I was. Uh, Kaneohe on the windward side. Um, my family moved to Oahu in 1968. I was four years old, and um, my dad was a high school teacher in Illinois, in Evanston, Illinois, and he got a grant to do some work, uh, marine biology, and he actually <clears throat> started part of the marine lab at the Hawaii Institute of Marine Biology, um, a place called Coconut Island out in Kaneohe Bay. So spent my childhood growing up on surfboards and diving, and it was uh, <laughs> Just the most amazing um, childhood and, and fond, very fond memories. I, I didn't realize you. Were, I didn't realize your family was from Evanston because uh, Gordon Tech High School in Chicago is where I went to high school. There you go. Yeah, my parents went to Northwestern, and yeah, so I, my all my family's there. We were sort of the wild family that decided to move to the islands in 1968. There wasn't a lot here, and um, I think everybody thought we were crazy, but. Uh, worked out well i mean that's still in doubt i mean john <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah so uh, uh you went to uh, you're in kaneohe and stuff so where'd you go to high school went to kalaheo high school yep so 1983 that seems like a long time ago um yeah so my uh my dad's passed but uh the house is still there. My stepmom lives there. And, uh, you know, I try to go up, go back and visit whenever I can. And, um, it's been hard now. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, a different place. Kaneohe and Kailua where I spent most of my time is, is not what it was growing up. That's for sure. Just like anywhere, I guess. Well, I, I have fond memories of, cause I used to do like the Dick Evans and, um, uh, the Honolulu century bike ride. 
and being yep. able to get to those areas of Oahu that, you know, if you live in uh, Honolulu, there are a lot of people that ne will never get to those neighborhoods. Yeah, I have good memories of, of uh, being a runner in the 80s and, and just all the races up there. I remember they had the Koli Koli Pass race and the Wahiwa Pineapple Run and just some really unique events. Um, you know, and of course, the Great Aloha Run, which I guess was a little bit later, which I did last year, which was, which was a lot of fun. I always enjoy that race. Um, and just so many small um, races. The Mid-Pack Roadrunners would just have like, you know, go on the weekend, you know, go out and do a race somewhere. And, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't really triathlons or biathlons. Everybody ran in those days. I, I yeah. don't think I remember any events like that. Everybody ran. That's what, that, that was the end thing. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, uh, pickup races, um, hashier kind of races that, uh, you know, weren't uh, t-shirts. What were t-shirts? Let alone yeah. medals. <laughs> right. Right. And the t-shirts were cotton. I loved them. Not nowadays. <laughs> oh. I still so miss the cotton t-shirts. They're, they're going away. I can't stand <laughs> cotton ones. So did you do track and stuff in high school? Yeah, I ran track um, at Kalaheo, and uh, that was quite an experience. Uh, we didn't have a very motivated team. Um, my coach, his name was Mr. Fuddy, and he was the... What was <laughs> so There's all kinds of jokes. His name was Mr. Fuddy, Mr. Lewis Mr. Fuddy. Fuddy. Wonderful man, wonderful man. Um, but he was also the football coach, assistant football coach. So he didn't know a whole lot about running. Uh, he did his best. He... he he had a very uh, he had a, 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 a very good runner by the name of Steve Jeunesse, uh, and the guy was just a natural gifted athlete. And uh, so Fuddy had his workouts, and he'd always give them to me, you know, and say, "Here, do this." And I said, "I'm not Steve Jeunesse, you know." And I, I did well, but most of the people on my team were were there to party, so sometimes the workouts were okay. Everybody followed John, and I'm like. And people would show up uh, hungover on um, cross-country day. And so it was quite an experience. I really, I really enjoyed it. And then I did track. Um, I did the, the mile and the two mile. And I did pretty well in that. And uh, really enjoyed the long distance, you know, especially for track. And in fact, that's how I kind of got my start is um, I had a good friend that uh, this was in 1980 where we were freshmen. And he's like, well, I'm going to go out for the track team. You want to come along? And I'm like, I'm sure I got nothing else to do. Let's check this out. So we were in the field and then the, uh, the coach sort of split everybody up and said, if go over here, if you want to do sprint and those kind of, you know, the hundred yard or go over on this side, if you want to do long distance, go over to this side. So my friend decided, Oh, let's go over to the long distance side. So I said, Oh, I'll come with you and check it out. So we ended up running, a, I don't know what it was, two miles and stuff. And, um, and I loved it. I thought, wow, this is great. I'm going to you know keep doing this. So, so that's really was the hook. It wasn't punishment at the time. No, it felt, it was fun. I, I've always been active. I, I never was a runner until then. I mean, I was surfing and, and growing up in Hawaii. I just loved uh, being active. But I really found my, found my thing when I went was out there running. I got, wow, this is really, really nice. I'm really enjoying this. What was it? What, can you remember what the first, yeah, I mean, you said that, that, that you guys did the long run, which was two miles. Well, you remember the first long, you know, like 10K maybe that you did or half marathon? Uh, gosh, I do remember a couple 10Ks, no, no real fond memories, but the funny one was, fondest memory I had, and I really think this solidified it for me, was my first marathon, 
which was shortly after I started running, didn't have much training, didn't know anything about it. And again, this friend that, we had, that I had known, uh, we both decided, hey, let's go do this, uh, do the Honolulu Marathon. And I had no, anything, I had no idea. I'd never run that far in my life. And I, and I ended up maybe running 10 or 15 miles beforehand. So the way we did it is his brother worked at McDonald's as a manager. And I was kind of in awe that this, and he had his own apartment in Waikiki. So I thought, boy, this guy is just, he, he, he's great. He's like, so we stayed at his apartment. Um, we stayed up till about one in the morning walking around Waikiki, which in itself was a really bad idea. <laughs> get our sleep. And then um, uh, I finished in like four hours. I had a great race. It was hard. Uh, my friend ended up collapsing at 20 miles and they had to take him, um, put some IVs in him and he had a pretty hard day. But I remember that race being very significant that, wow, I, I did it. You know, I did a marathon and um, a pretty respectable time for my first one too. So that oh, really yeah. was the one race I, I really remember, my, my first longer race for sure. So, so you didn't finish it like I have a lot of friends that I've been privileged to be at the finish line when they finished and it's their first marathon. A, a lot of our friends have made uh, one particular comment when they finish their first and it's usually, I'm never doing that again. No, I didn't have that for that race. I have certainly have it for other races, but not that one. I was just so high off the experience uh, that I thought, this is it. This is what, I this is what I'm going to be doing. Now, your, your dad, uh, I mean, he was a marine biologist uh, doing studies over in Kaneohe, right? Yep. And did he work, uh, I know they had dolphins there because I was actually over at Koala Basin at the time. Uh, you know, the, uh, Koala Basin was part of UH2 where they had, mm -hmm. uh, uh, they had the Akeakamai and Phoenix and then they got brought in Hiapo and Alele. As, as doing uh, research cognition studies. Was he doing the same thing? Uh, he was a coral reef uh, biologist and pretty well known in his field. Um, he did a lot of work with uh, studying coral reefs and I really think he predicted a lot of the stuff that's happening now, um, you know, climate change and, uh, you know, the warming of the oceans. And um, he uh, did a lot of really pioneering work. And one of the things he's really well known for is uh, Late 60s, he and a group of other scientists uh, got the sewer outfall that was going into Kanyoe Bay. Kanyoe Bay was really bad in those days. The, uh, they used to just pump it right in there. He was very instrumental in that. Uh, he did a lot of studies and a lot of scientific papers you see now, his name is on there. He's got a pretty amazing team of people that have carried on some of his work. Uh, he's got the Marine Lab, part of the Marine Lab is named after him. and. Uh, that's really satisfying to see a lot of that uh, work on climate change and, and all that stuff really, really going forward with a lot of his people. Yeah, we had, uh, I mean, I can remember, what was it, last year or two, probably two years ago, where the, the reefs were really taking a hit here. I mean, we're, yeah. I, I think it was because, well, climate change, warmer weather, warmer, warmer water and stuff. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was... Uh, to 20, I want to say 2018, it was a couple of years ago. And virtually 70, 80% of the reefs on some areas were, were killed. I know in front of the park, about 80, uh, the National Park I work at, about 80% of the reefs were, were had died they, and they've not come back. So it just depends on the area. Um, so that was a really bad bleaching event uh, for sure. Yeah. Bummer. So you went to college, you were at UH, yeah? 
yeah, I went to University of Hawaii and got my undergraduate there. Um, and then uh, moved to the mainland, spent about 10 years in the um, Northwest Seattle area. A lot of other things. Um, worked at a health food chain for a while at a co-op and that was really fun. And did a lot of, uh, you know, Northwest activities, went out and um, did mountain climbing. Worked at REI for a while too. That was a lot of fun. Oh. Uh, by Mount Rainier a bunch of times. Uh, just really enjoyed the Pacific Northwest and the mountains. And, and you know, that whole scene up there is... Uh, Pretty amazing place, especially in the summers. The summers are, are very, very beautiful up there. Winters are a little dark and dreary. Uh, didn't matter so much as being a runner. I was always out there and running even, you know, the worst day. Kind of enjoy the, the rain and the wind. Some, sometimes that's kind of fun to run in. It's kind of, an, uh, you know, just another thing to, you know, come in, take a warm shower, have some hot coffee. So there were some challenges, but I, I think I enjoyed uh, living up there too. Oh, so uh, you were working at health food stores. Was that uh, uh, did that help lead to your transition? Uh, and I tease you about it sometimes mercilessly <laughs> about <laughs> being a non-steak eater, shall we say? Um, yeah, I think it was set up before that. I mean, I was actually because of my dad. You know, he really sort of pointed out to me that you know he's a real environmentalist, and he says, you know, if you're eating meat, then you go to these. Uh, scientific uh, conferences and that when it was a state dinner you know and he wouldn't hold back about that you know he says well we're gonna save the planet what are you what are you doing eating that you know and he was just pretty blunt about it so he did kind of get my uh, thoughts about it and I started doing some investigating and read you know John Robbins diet for a new planet was the big book in those days um, just did some research and then I kind of found it really worked I always, uh, I didn't have health problems, but I think when I ran, um, it just didn't suit me. And I don't know what it was, but as soon as I switched, and it took me a while to get off, you know, I started with beef and then took uh, chicken. And really, it's only been in the last five years I've gone completely vegan. But um, it was a definite transition to get there. <clears throat> but I find, I find it, it's the ideal diet. It, it really gives me energy. Um, you know, and, and there, there's a myth that, uh, you know, how do you get your protein, which is total buck because we get, <laughs> how, do you, how do you get your protein? Don't, John? don't ask that question. No, I'm, I'm fine. There there's protein in everything, everything, beans, rice, even, you know, I mean, the problem is we get too much protein in our diet. That's why you have heart disease and, uh, diabetes. I mean, you can look this up and it's, it's, it's a fact. So, um, it's kind of interesting, you know, I mean, you can, you can help save the planet, you can be uh, compassionate, and also get better health, prove your uh, endurance, I think it does, I think there's definitely something about, uh, you know, um, eating plant-based, and, and, you know, I'm 55, and um, I still feel like 30, not every day, but, you know, I can go out there and keep up, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I think it's, uh, not to get political here, I don't think it's political. It's environmental, and it's for your health. So, yeah. No, no, that's that. That's good. I, there was somebody who had posted on Twitter or something, something about how they felt after a hard run. They felt like they were, you know, in their seventies. You know, even though normally they feel like they're twenty six. And yeah. I could, I kind of, I kind of reversed it, and I said, "Geez, I don't know. Pretty much a lot of time, I feel like I'm seventy two, which I am." Except after a hard run, 
I feel like I'm 26 after the hard run. Yeah. Yeah, the adrenalines and the endorphins and the, the feel good. You have to, the, the, the good feelings for sure. That's, yeah. Uh, did you, I, I, I forgot to ask, do you have any brothers, sisters floating around? Um, yeah, I have two brothers, both younger than me. Uh, one's, one's on Maui, the other is over on Oahu. And um, they're both adopted. So I have a Filipino brother and a Hawaiian brother. Awesome. And I grew up with them. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. My parents were, my parents were very forward thinking. And uh, those days, they, uh, my, my brother Jordan, uh, we adopted when he was an infant in Chicago and brought him to Hawaii. And my other brother, Jason, was through foster care. and We adopted him when he was about five. So, oh, that's, uh, you're so lucky. Yeah. That's so lucky to grow up in a family like that. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful having two brothers. I was the oldest. And now my, my little brother is, uh, he's kind of a scary looking guy. <laughs> he's a big guy. And he's my bodyguard. If I ever need anybody to help me out, it's my little brother. Yeah. Well, I, I have a friend he's back. A, he's a straight guy. I have a I have a friend back in um, Aspen where I spent a lot of years and stuff, and Henry Henry's son Brigard is kind of a very big dude, and uh, but I've known I mean I knew Brigard since he was like five years old, and there were t- situations where I'd be with some friends and they go oh, hey look at that look at that guy over there wow he's pretty scary looking and I'd I'd walk up to Brigard and just wave my finger in front of him <laughs> and they go. Joe, what are you doing? No, no, that's, that's, he's, yeah. I mean, do they uh, participate? Uh, do they surf? I would assume that they're both surfers too. Um, yeah, my brother Jordan does. Uh, he, that's his thing. He does, he does a lot of longboarding and paddle boarding and yeah, he's really connected to the ocean. Uh, my other brother, not so much. He, he works all the time now. He's a plumber. So he's, he's a pretty busy guy, but he gets out and he weight lifts and boxes and does those kind of things. Yeah. Wow, that, that sounds like, which is part of the reason I'm here is because we live in a, di- a diverse uh, society here. I'd rather live yes, absolutely. here than a, a bubble that, uh, you know, too many people, I think, live in their bubbles. So you, yeah. you're, you're in uh, college, you graduate, you go to the, the mainland, and uh, you get your experiences there. How did you end up being in the National Park Service? How did that happen? Well, I was getting a little tired of my job. Um, it changed a bit, and it was getting to be more like a job. And uh, I, the stores that I worked at in the Seattle area were real community-based. Uh, you know, get to know everybody. Um, the whole the whole climate change. We had a a guy from Safeway come in, and you know, he did some good things financially, very savvy, but he uh, really changed the the attitude. So I, I decided, ah, this isn't for me. I, I'm, I'm just stocking shelves. I need to change my career. So I looked around for, for different things. I thought maybe I could be a physical therapist and experiment a little bit. I thought, well, that's going to take, I don't, uh, my, my background is a liberal studies degree, and I didn't really have the whole science uh, uh, background. I thought that's going to take a lot of schooling. So uh, just one day, my wife and I were looking online, and there was an internship at Golden Gate National Recreation Area, and uh, and I was going to go through it. She said, "No, just apply. It's an internship." I was you know, searching, forgot about it, just totally forgot about it. And a couple months later, um, I got a call about they have a, a it's a, basically a volunteer position in yeah. San Francisco, yeah. and I'm like, I'm going to leave my job to go live in San Francisco for free. 
Well, the, the payment really was housing. We got to live, my, my wife and I got to live in the Presidio. So um, they have an apartment building there, which was okay. But, um, and then she got a job too. Her background's education. So they wanted to hire her. So we got an old VW van and we packed it up with the cat and moved to San Francisco. Dropped the cat off in LA at my at her sisters and um, loved it. It was nine months. I got to work on Alcatraz doing tours, which was really an amazing place. Wow. Um, yeah, it was great. It was just uh, go out on the first boat with the Rangers and I would do uh, dock announcements. Uh, people could get off the boat and tell them to go up to the cell house and do programs. Uh, you know, take, talk about the escape of 1962, slam people in jail cells all day. That, that, I could do that all day. People loved it. It was the strangest thing. It was like, you know, they, they couldn't get enough of it. Um, and it was just fun. It was, it was like, you know, working at Disneyland. And I just loved it. And then learning about, um, you know, how to give a good program. It's called interpretation. It's not like translating, but there is an, I have a, my, I have a master's in it. There's a whole career about how to uh, talk to visitors. And it isn't just talking facts and here it is. It's involving others in their own experience when they come to the park. So you're relating things that they see to their own experience, which makes it very, if you can do it right, it makes it very impactful. Um, it's challenging, you don't always get it, but uh, when you do, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty, pretty cool. It can be pretty, pretty meaningful. When, especially when you hear people talking about it. Uh, the one thing that I remember, I was uh, after work in, in San Francisco, I was walking down the street and there was a restaurant and I just hear somebody slamming on the window and I look next, I, I look next to me and there's, a, there's a, a young man with his family and he's going, that's the guy, that's the guy. <laughs> he's the guy that was on Alcatraz and I was like, I, you know, I just kept walking, but I just felt like that was strange. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you were a star. I mean, that's... I was that's... a star. I mean, I didn't think so, but, you know, I, I guess uh, he really enjoyed it. And, uh, did, you, did you get any, any of the uh, customers when you have uh, locked them in a cell? Did they kind of, was there anybody who kind of went, yeah, this brings back memories? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, this is interesting. Um, you know, I would do tours. And this would happen uh, quite frequently. Um, you'd, we'd, um, you'd have guards from the local prison, San Quentin, come on, a, they're on their vacation to come out to Alcatraz. And I would let them lead the tour because it was so interesting. You know, I asked them, like, you know, I, they showed them the jail cells, you know, and these jail cells are from the 60s. Um, and I said, well, what's it like now? And they look around and said, not much different. Ooh. You know, they had different procedures. They said, they look pretty much like this now. And... Those guys were scary. Some of those guys, I was like, boy, you know, there's a fine line between a, a prison guard and an inmate because these guys were <laughs> very scary. And they go on vacation to a prison. I guess maybe that's what you do if that's your trade. But those are those are very interesting, you know, to have those guys lead the tour. Yeah, I think I think it, you know you brought out a couple of things that I think are very uh, right on as far as letting people tell their stories. If you're a good enough storyteller, that you can help bring them out and tell their stories. Their stories are incredible. I mean, yep. that, that's why I'm doing this thing. It's like, I, I'm blown right. away by the stuff that I'm hearing from people that I've known. Well, you know how it is at a race. We get to see each other maybe five minutes. Yeah, you know? 
Yeah, we're trying to go to the bathroom and get in line and there's no time to like tell me about your life and what you did for a career, you know, it's exactly. So yeah, this is nice, Joe, that you get to, to talk to people and find out behind the scenes and yeah. Well, I, I, you, you guys, you guys give me a uh, crick in my neck at Honolulu every year because <laughs> as I'm running at, running out on Keanu Anioli, yeah. you guys are cruising back and I got to look, I always have to look right to see, oh, there's John, I can wave at John. Yeah, that's funny. I always see people. I never think I am. Usually they see me, but I, you know, I'm always surprised when somebody's in the crowd going out to Waikai. Uh, says something so that's it's pretty cool 25,000 runners did you uh, you met your wife on the mainland or is she from here yeah we met in Seattle yeah mm -hmm. oh okay and so you're in Alcatraz you know yeah. you're doing tours and helping people you know getting people to relate to it what eventually brought you back to Hawaii well uh, a couple little a couple more steps but I didn't come uh, directly from Alcatraz I was uh uh, since we lived in Seattle, um, I knew the area, and I actually have a childhood friend who is a ranger on Mount Rainier, and uh, I was kind of started networking with him, looking for my next job, and um, and and one day, I, well, I applied for this job at Mount Rainier, and, and then one day I got a phone call, and basically it was the person doing the hiring, the chief of interpretation, she said, her her she asked me, what side of the park do you want to work on? No interview. It was, uh, you know, I know what happened, but it was like, uh, I was like, wait a minute, I got to call you back. I was in such a, I was in shock. I said, aren't you going to interview me? She said, no. I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was, I got over, I got to Mount Rainier and I worked there for two summers. And then I came to Kona in between. I worked to seasonal at Koloka Honokawao. And then, uh, after the second season of Mount Rainier, um, I got what's called a term position, and I had a couple different permanent jobs, and then I went and got my master's degree, and then I got um, sort of a management position, um, and I've been there 15 years now. So, you know, uh, my route was fairly, fairly, fairly fast for me. A lot of park rangers, they only have summer employment, and they're still struggling. I know one guy who's been in, been in the service as long as I have, and he lives out of his camper and, and in the winter months and he tries, he struggles to get seasonal jobs. So I was really lucky. I think going back to school, uh, going to a small park where I could do a lot in those days, there wasn't a lot happening. I was able to kind of push things forward and I was at the right place at the right time. That certainly helped a lot of hard work too, to get there. So I've just been very, very grateful with my career that I've been able to do what I have been and very fortunate to work with great people and, have a lot of fun. That's my job. I go out and talk to people about about Hawaii, and you know I've got other things, but I uh, I, I certainly enjoy my job up just about every day. So, harkening uh, back to uh, gosh, you know, it is funny thinking back to see to remember how long some of this stuff was happening. Um, back when Holly Mau Mau first started to go off, I mean. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit how, from your end, being in the park, how things were going for you? I mean, I know I can say how it was from our end, uh, you know, people that yeah. were living on the island, but how, from your end, how, how, how stressful was that? Well, I wasn't on the front line. I do have some colleagues over at Hawaii Volcanoes who are just going through hell. It was just a really, really hard time for them. Um, sort of isolated being over here in Kona and... You know, we were dealing with fog and 
we were telling visitors about the situation as much as we knew. Um, so I felt pretty blessed. It wasn't uh, too bad for us over here. Um, I do know some folks over there that has had a rough, rough time. Uh, certainly glad that the, the uh, volcano shut down. I mean, I visitors come and they, they still ask, is there anywhere I can see flowing lava? And I say, no, and we love it. And they look at me strange. I say, well, <laughs> we live here and we've had it for 20 or more years. So we're glad we can breathe. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing I remember most was a lot of people would move here in the interim after uh, the volcano went off and for our uh, listeners and viewers and stuff, we had a plume suddenly appear. Not suddenly, but you know, it came up and uh, it really uh, affected our air quality. And there were a lot of years where you would never really see a sunset uh, that went into the ocean. There was always a, a layer of volcanic you know, bog uh, around a lot. And I have asthma, so it was affecting me and everything but there were people there were people that came here and they they oh the sunset's so beautiful and we'd go nah you don't understand yeah and and once you know uh things you know madame pele was was nice to us what was it two years ago now that it's been off yeah i think that's about right yeah almost this summer will be two years yeah, and then suddenly we, I mean, now we have the beautiful sunsets that go right into the ocean. The air quality is just super great. Uh, I know some of the uh, videos that came out during that time were mind-blowing, uh, yeah. just mind-blowing stuff. Yeah, and the overpriced helicopter flights you couldn't get on a flight for, yeah, it was, uh, did you get to go up in a helicopter? Do you get to do that? Uh, no, you know, my friend Toshi, he works over at Blue Hawaii and, yeah. uh, you know, he, he'd offered a few times and everything, but I was, you know, I was always too busy and stuff. I did do um, the many times actually drive out and hike out to the ocean, you know, and watch the yeah. lava flow in, you know, and it was, it was always hilarious because this, you would think, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to go out, hike the lava, and then we're going to watch the sunset you know, in the ocean, and then we can see the lava on the mountain, and then it's like, well, crap, we got to hike back now. Yeah, well, there's a ranger tip. Um, when that was do going on, I always tell people, go early in the morning. You usually got to stay in the area, but go in when it's dark at 4 a.m. You can take your time getting out, bring a flashlight, but the, the sun's coming up. Nobody's out there. The times I get, there was one or two cars. Um, so that was the way to do it. And I got a, I got a funny story, a friend of mine, uh, this was way before these have reflectors out there and they in recent years when it was flowing in the park they had barricades and it was you know you could kind of find your way but uh, in those days it was pitch dark so he went out with his I think it was his brother and he had a they had one flashlight between them so they got out there they didn't do they didn't plan it very well and then the battery went dead on the way back you know and they're like, boy, you know, this isn't safe. They, they kept going about, we're going to fall into a hole. or gonna, So, you know, we should just spend the night. Let's be safe. Lay down. They were freezing. They had a jacket between them. So they spent the night there. And then they woke up in the morning as the sun was coming up. They woke up and they could see their car. <laughs> <laughs> so they were about, a, about 100 feet from their car. <laughs> so, uh, that's yeah, like some of the plans that I made, yeah. Yeah, so, but I guess they were safe. I mean, they didn't know. They really didn't know where they were. 
Oh yeah, we we would go out there, and uh, I remember going out with uh, uh, Thad Calciolari and his daughter Bailey when she was just a little cakey, and uh, with a couple of the kids. And the adults wanted to hike to one area where they'd be a little bit closer to the to lava, and I was back with the the kids and stuff. And we were standing there, and just as we're standing there looking down, all of a sudden a, a little push came out of lava, you know, like four feet away from us. And everybody, you know, the kids are all going, oh, wow, wow, Uncle Joe, that's great. And I went, man, that's incredible. Let's move back. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move back just a little bit. Yeah, I have a ranger friend that was, um, this was a couple years ago, and there was some people out on the, one of the shelves, one of those shelf collapses, people who died from that yeah. like in the early phases of the eruption. And he was out there, and he heard a big boom, and he thinks this ain't good. So there was some folks out there and he had to run out and tell them, you guys need to get out of here because something's happening. And it was virtually minutes before he got off that um, shelf with the visitors that the thing collapsed. So they were very lucky. You didn't hear about it because nobody, nobody died or got hurt, but yeah, yeah. potentially very serious. And then, uh, um, you know, back in the day, did you ever do, did you do, um, um, Volcano marathon or or the ten mile. I never did the marathon. I do. I did the ten miler a couple times. Yeah, into the crater. That was a great great race. Yeah. Yeah, the ten miler was better than the five miler, because the five miler you went down, went across, and then went up that nasty hill all the way back up. And the well, ten miler did that too. It went around the crater went around the crater and then you had to climb back up the hill back to the uh, you know, volcano house in Cam C. That was a tough one. That was a tough race. Yeah, I, I remember the last year that they ran it, I, you know, I was in the 10 miler and it was probably the best course because they wouldn't let us down into the caldera. So we were basically in rainforest all the time. So it was like, yeah. there's shade. It was, it was great, you know? Yeah, I think I did it one of the last years they actually had it down in the crater before they, uh, you know, they moved it. I think they moved, they moved it to the village, right? I don't think I've ever done it when it's in the village. Yeah. Well, what's happened is, is um, um, they moved it to the village and then they kind of, they dropped it, uh, God, was it last year? Two years ago, where the lady who owned it, Sharon, um, she sold that rate, Volcano and Kona Marathon to Brent Inman, who lives up here in Waimea. And Brent decided that he wasn't going to continue Volcano. But friends of ours, uh, you know, Keely and Adam uh, McKee, they took over kind of putting on a race in Volcano. And they do, they do it as the Ohia Half Marathon. And they, the first right. year they did it was last year, which I, I remember it only because it's, it was on my birthday, the end of July and stuff. And it was, it was great. I mean, you're in the village, but you're still out on right road and, and stuff. And it, it, and it still is an excellent race. And the advantage, of course, for us here in Hawaii, where it seems to be always warm, uh, is it's at altitude. So it's like 4,000 feet. Yeah. So it's a little bit cooler in the summertime there. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been over to that side for a race, uh, you know, the last couple of years. I've been doing mostly Kona stuff on this side, occasionally Waimea, but... Uh, Kind of staying close to home. Well, it seems to be more so yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I remember correctly, now it seems like in 2013 you weren't around the island doing a race. You were actually doing a race on the mainland. Yep. Yep. Uh, not a happy race. 
Uh, well, that was, that was, uh, how did you qualify for Boston? At what race did, at uh, Honolulu? Um, I qualified at Honolulu and I had over several years, uh, just never really had the opportunity to go. So, you know, I thought 2013, this is the year and um, kind of had an interesting experience. It, you know, it was tragic. It definitely was something um, to remember. And, um, and I wasn't close, but I was, but I didn't see any of, you know, what was going on, but um, we have time for uh, the, the story. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, so um, I planned to go. And then a friend of mine uh, who I met on the beach at the park, who um, uh, very, very connected in Boston. He actually knows the race director, Dave McGillery, and um, didn't know this at the time. But he invited me to stay at his house. I said, my wife for coming. He's like, oh, you got to stay with us. So I said, okay. So, um, oops. He says, well, I'm going to contact my friend Dave. You know, you're coming from Hawaii and maybe you can, uh, are we still live here, Joe? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, we froze up a little bit there. Yeah. Okay. Um, he, he says, well, maybe Dave can do something special for you. And I said, well, he's got the Boston Marathon to organize. He's, you know, I don't expect it. But anyway, the, before that, I got this, uh, email to check in when I got my number and when I got there my number said VIP on it I went what is this so I was like yeah so uh when I show up on that day they had instructions to go to this special tent and they had a, a tour bus for us and it, and these weren't runners that they, it was a promotional thing so it was people running but it wasn't like the the winners or anything but anyway so we had police escort to the start of the, uh, yeah, we did. I was, it was amazing. And then everybody sitting outside freezing. They, they had us, we could go in the, in the one of the, it was at a, it's at, it's at a school. So we had, they'd been going in a room that was heated and, you know, it was like VIP treatment. So, you know, and I was having a blast not knowing what was going to happen later in the day. Um, so when I finished, um, they had a massage tent and they had stuff for everybody and, my wife wasn't there. She took a train in from where we were staying. And uh, this area was all cordoned off. You, 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 only, you had to have a VIP on your number and everything, so nobody can get in there. Somehow, she talked to the race director, not the, the volunteer director, and got into the tent with me. And I was get, waiting in line to get a massage. And we were talking and laughing. And then um, I just remember it very distinctly because we had these clown noses that I had gotten at something the day before. There was a spaghetti dinner and they had these things at it, something next door. And we were laughing. We put the clown noses on. And then we heard the first explosion. And my wife looks at me and says, uh, that was a bomb. And I said, how do you know that? It sounded like the starting gun, like a cannon. Yeah. And then, you know, there was another one. And then everybody was kind of nervous, looking around, what's going on? And there's big screen TVs on the uh, wall. They were showing some things. And then all of a sudden, the TVs went off. And then there was a, um, a picture of the, from the local news of a helicopter flying over, saying explosions in Boston. And I could see where we are, because we were in front of this old church. And probably two blocks from the finish line, pretty close. But there was stuff, you know, vehicles and stuff. So you couldn't really see the finish line. And then, so then I knew something was going on. So continued on and it was probably 15, 20 minutes later. I actually did, I was you know, right there to get a massage and we're both watching TV, worst massage I ever had because we were both kind of looking at what's going yeah. on. All of a sudden somebody comes in and says, I need you guys to clear out of here. Uh, it's going to be a triage tent. And so we had picked up chairs and 
and then we just went out with the, with the crowds and we saw vehicles coming in, police vehicles and ambulance, and not, not even knowing what happened. Didn't really know anything until I, uh, uh, I, I, I think I got a hold of my cousin. I mean, the phones weren't working and, and, um, and then they, they said there was an explosion and some people are hurt. So pretty traumatic and, you know, but I wasn't right there, but it was still, people were asking me how was my race and I just couldn't answer for a long time. And, you know, that it was, a, you know, my heart goes out to those people that were there and they got hurt and injured and thinking, well, wow, I was there. And, you know, I finished an hour or so beforehand. But I had planned on not knowing where my wife was. I was, I had planned to go back to the, to the line, finish line. You, and the good thing is you really couldn't. They had barricades up. They wouldn't let you go back. So, yeah. so luckily I wasn't in the area. I was in, I was in the tent. But um, that was quite some experience, yeah. Yeah, and I imagine, do you still, I mean, how long, I, you never get over something like that, but do you still have, like, at finish lines and stuff, do you get nervous or anything? Um, no, not so much. I, you know, I, that was, it, it, because I didn't see it, besides what was on TV, uh, didn't really have that trauma, but uh, I, but it was a, it was a significant experience, being that, that close to something and, you know, as part of something in, in our history. It's, it's really, really a big deal. Yeah. yeah it, it is kind of uh, weird to think about that. That was 2013. I mean, that was seven years ago. Yep. A long time ago. And you wrote a good article. Thank you for passing that out on, on to me and stuff. Can you maybe tell us where the article is and stuff? Um, yeah, it's in the National Association of Interpretation. So it's in my field. So I thought I would do an article talking about how uh, important uh, messaging is and how we heal from some of these traumatic events by telling a story, you know, to, to create that healing. So um, that was kind of the topic in there. And um, I uh, sent an email to the editor of the magazine and I had a real quick deadline. My mom is a editor and she helped me kind of polish it up and I got it in and I think it came out pretty good. It was just pretty much from my experience of what happened, but how that we must, uh, that messaging is important, how we talk to ourselves and whatever experience it is, how you can learn from it and, and move on. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's part of ultra running and long running, I think is uh, having the venue to be able to express how you feel. I mean, we go through things as, an, as a person who does long runs myself, there's things that yep. happen at night in a run that, you really need to talk to people about, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think running, and you know this, Joe, is just so therapeutic with anything you're going through. I mean, it's hard to really have a bad thought when you're out there. You can be in pain, but you could just clear, you can clear whatever's going through. It's, you know, you get these amazing ideas and inspirations. And, um, and I think I'm lucky to be healthy all my life, but I can experience in a, in a small way. And I, I don't mean to devalue other people's um, sickness. I never could experience that, but I, I can understand it when you're, when you're at mile 25, the pain you're feeling is uh, pretty hard. I mean, it's, it's not like some things, but you're certainly going to recover from it. You know, you know, after 26, you're going to, you're going to recover and you're going to get, but you can experience that. And it's a choice. A lot of people don't have that choice. So, um, and it's, you know, the, the other side of it is it, it, it makes you healthy. Maybe not marathons. Everybody doesn't have to do marathons or, or ultra marathons, but certainly physical activity is something that can really improve your, your health and your lifestyle. Yeah. What's the, what's the longest race that you've done? 
Um, I'm not an ultra marathoner. I'm a, I'm a marathoner. So that's kind of my longest in running, but I have done two Ironmans. And since I moved to Kona, I've really picked that up, you know, doing halves and Olympic distance. And I've kind of, I've kind of enjoyed that, uh, being a runner, trying to figure out how to swim and, you know, the, the cycling, you know, I just, that was a struggle. Even I grew up here. I, I really wasn't a swimmer, but luckily I've, uh, I can hold my own in it. I'm not great, but I'm not terrible either. So. Uh, I've enjoyed um, two other two other sports, and as I get older, certainly don't run. And you know, they say it's hard to run every day. I, I run three or four days a week at, at tops, and I try to uh, cycle and swim and, and do other things. It's just too hard on the body. What years did you do Ironman? Uh, Ironman? Yeah. Uh, 2013, which was a pretty big year for me because that was Boston too. Whoa. Yeah. And then 2016. And that was right after my dad died. And that was that, that, that race inspired me. The training definitely was I, uh, right at, he died in May. So it was like I, my training was all for him and I could really have a healthy outlet to, to, you know, put into the race. So that was a very, very uh, significant one for me too. And I just finished them. I, I certainly am not at running. I'm, I compete, I go all out, but Ironmans, I was out there to finish the race and just completely enjoyed myself. Um, you know, that was the icing on the cake. The training was just fantastic. And then being able to be out there in the Kona community and just seeing people, that was just, that was so much fun. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that's special, whether whatever side of the race that you're on is the being able as a volunteer to see people, you know, in the race and being in the race and seeing people who are volunteering. Yeah. That's, that's very special. And yes. Of course, things are a little bit on hold right now. The this year's Ironman, the World Championship, has been delayed until uh, February, same uh, weekend as the Super Bowl. <laughs> if if we have the Super Bowl, if indeed yeah. there is, a well, Super it's Bowl. it's it's our Super Bowl. It's at it's distance uh, athlete Super Bowl. So, yeah, we just have to record it right when we're done with the <laughs> Ironman. Yeah. Well, most of us are usually Super Bowl. Uh, 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 shout out to uh, Dana, who used to do that run from uh, Kua Bay into Kona. It was a half marathon every Super Bowl Sunday. So that's how we would start yeah. Super Bowls anyway. Right. Yeah. What do, you, what do you use for nutrition and stuff, being a vegan athlete and uh, being out there? To, um, do you use anything for training specifically? Um, you know, I do gels and those kinds of things just because they're easy. Um, but I'm kind of a big advocate of not doing anything different before a race or, you know, everybody's asking, what are you going to eat the night before? I said, well, what I always eat. I mean, and my diet's pretty simple. It's uh, it's vegan, it's vegetables, you know, uh, starch, soy products. Uh, don't change things up too much. You know, I'd be doing more calories if I'm doing a marathon or a Ironman. Um, no real secrets. I think it's just um, steady, steady as you go. And I've always been kind of, um, you know, take care of my body and uh, don't do extremes, at least in the last maybe 10 years. Maybe when I was younger, I didn't. But I think that's my message is if you're going to be a, a, an athlete, a runner, um, whatever it is you're going to do, whatever sport, you know, do it for the long haul. I mean, I've, I've been very lucky to have 40 years. And you too, Joe, I know you've been doing this a while. 40 years of being healthy and, you know, the normal things. But uh, just uh, think about it. Think about it for the next you know, decades. Don't think about it. Like I got to, I got to do that next race and whatever that secret, uh, you know, gel pack is for that. I mean, I, you know, they didn't have those when I was growing up and I still 
have a hard time with like the GPS watches and stuff. I just, I, I just, I'm just not there. I'm, I'm, I feel old school, you know, I mean, the digital watch is a huge thing, you know, and I, um, just, they didn't have those gel packs. It was, you know, bananas. So uh, I'm still, I'm still there, you know, and I'm not uh, the new, the new tech is a little bit. And I, yeah. I like to experiment, try it, but uh, I do love running without a watch. And I've been doing that a lot lately, especially my runs from home now. Uh, go up above my house and uh, nobody's out there. And, uh, you know, I get to see pigs and, and there's, there's a ranch up here. And, you know, Joe, being out in Waimea, it's just uh, the whole thing about running is so, uh, so pure. And, and, you know, the, the racing is fun and you get to challenge yourself. But just the fact of being out there in nature and enjoying it, uh, it's been, been very wonderful during this time. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I've I've seen more wildlife uh, where I run and, and stuff. I've seen plenty of like, you know, uh, people out walking their dogs, which is great that people are uh, living a more healthy, what I consider a more healthy lifestyle by staying active. Yep. And I yep. always tell people stay active, you know, but stay responsible, and uh, you know, just get out there and enjoy. <laughs> One of our lucky things is that we get we can get vitamin D by just going out the door. Yep. Which I was surprised when I talked to I interviewed Laura Ankrum uh, a couple of weeks ago and stuff, and she said there is indeed a vitamin D deficiency on the island, and she was kind of tying it into uh, probably uh, sunscreen. And this would be an opportunity oh, right. if you yeah. if you want to promote, and certainly I would promote uh, reef safe sunscreen. I think. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I just saw some article today. They're at Kahalu Bay. They're finding that. Uh, the people not being in the water has really improved the uh, the area because nobody's been in. So you know we're seeing all kinds of stuff like that with animals and the reefs and the clear water and the lack of pollution. So so that's silver lining right now for sure. Oh, and plenty plenty more of these out there probably too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. There was. I heard there was a shark out in Kailua Bay today. Last two days there was a tiger. Some, some people saw. Yeah, I mean, so. You know, and, it, and it's kind of funny because, I mean, I know you've done Lava Man, uh, you know, a lot of times and stuff. And my attitude when going out in the water, and I am indeed a worse swimmer than you. I know this for a fact. Uh, <laughs> I just look around and I go, I don't know, all these other people are doing it. So what the heck? Yeah, yeah I don't worry about it in those big races. That's, I don't think a shark is going to charge, uh, you know, thousand people out in the water they wouldn't be a smart shark no 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 what kind of what kind of shoes do you run in right now um i've i would say the last 20 years it's been asics you know that's just what fits me and that's what i go by i know that there's different brands out there but i've like i said i just feel old school i, I do what works and i'm i'm um you know don't want to change the change what works so you know no, absolutely i was i was surprised when i talked to billy barnett our buddy, uh, uh, like a month ago or so, his his training is just nuts because he basically says, "Well, I don't take water out if I'm just going to run under four hours. <laughs> if I'm going to run over wow. four hours, I'll take water." Wow, four hours, huh? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I could see a half hour, an hour, but at, you know, longer than that, I think you, I, I would definitely have some water stashed somewhere. 
but, but especially at the speed that you guys run, because for me, four hours is only a couple of miles. Yeah. <laughs> four hours for you guys is a long way. Well, maybe that's because Billy was, uh, you know, running in Mexico in the dry valleys. Maybe he's got a tolerance to hydration, needing to hydrate all the time. I don't know. Yeah. So would, uh, um, do you have any uh, races uh, that you were already signed up for? I think you mentioned the one Ironman you might have been doing. or the uh, I was going to do a half Ironman in, in Oceanside. I have some relatives I was going to go visit. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. It's been postponed to October 24th, but we'll see. That's the only thing on the schedule, really. So I'm just uh, hanging out and, like everybody else, just waiting to see what, what's going to happen and just in, enjoying uh, my solo runs and uh, I've been back running uh, with Ben Helper the other day, and uh, we're trying to get together more uh, to do runs. Um, you know, so just just get back slowly. I've really even been uh, not been doing as much uh, being stay at home. I'm just in maintenance mode, just waiting for the next thing. So, so are you? Are you fur furloughed now or what's up? I can't remember. No, we're uh, we're all working. Luckily, um, we're able to telework. So. That's been pretty good. Um, kind of strange, you know, park ranger at home, but it's worked out. And there's things behind the scenes people don't know that we have to do. Like I do the website, I do social media. Um, that's probably been 80% of my job right now. So, and then we're planning for reopening and, um, you know, all the, all the normal things that goes on with being the government. We have trains and um, uh, I'm just amazing how well that everyone has responded. So it's... Uh, I'm on national phone calls almost every day with the, you know, the media team and, you know, they've, I think they've done a really good job to, to switch over. You know, we have, um, you know, everybody has, but uh, I'm just very impressed. And I think it's the new norm. So we're going back and we'll be out in the park, but we're going to be teleworking as part of the schedule now. So instead of being in the office, we're going to be at home. Um, and certainly in the immediate future, we're not going to be opening everything up. It's, it's going to be, um, they're using the term increased opportunities. So uh, the trails will be open first, and then it's going to still be a while before the visitor centers open. We're getting some guidance this week on how that's going to happen. You may have seen on the news, some of the big parks are opening up and stuff. And people are, are out there, and everybody's, uh, you know, stir-crazy. So parks are getting slammed. I don't know so much in Hawaii here because we don't have the visitors yet. Yeah. But uh, the big parks are are really getting a huge and I'm just kind of worried about those guys if they're going to be able to keep up because people are just going crazy getting outside right now. Yeah, I did notice I saw uh, yesterday I think it was posted. I I forget who it was posted by, but basically their uh, YPO Valley's closed for the weekend. Yeah. That's that's smart cuz I think everybody would be there. <laughs> Well, that's part of, you know, like where I run, uh, normally I could run seven days a week if I wanted to, it wouldn't matter which day it is, but Saturdays have been particularly crowded, um, you know, which is, is sometimes part of my running experience. I like that, you know, there's people to see, there's dogs to pet and everything, but uh, a lot of times it's like, no, I, you know, <laughs> get off of my lawn. I'm old. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go away. Go away. I've never seen you up on this road, but that's yes. an aloha attitude to have. It's great that people are getting right. everything. And I know there was some confusion about the beaches because what was it? Tuesday, they were supposed to open Tuesday, but there was miscommunication with Harry and there was actually going to be yeah. Wednesday. And now it looks like they've finally gotten things straightened out. 
So hopefully people can actually go still social distance. It's a bad term, physical distance themselves and lay yeah. out on the beach and get some sun and go into the water if you want to. And stuff. Right. right. I'm sure you're going to be laying out on the beach now, Joe, right? That's your thing, right? <laughs> I'm one minute boy, you know. Yeah, yeah. I ran in. I ran in the Luna sandals today just to make sure you know I didn't have the total cowboy tan that a lot of <laughs> have up here. Well, that's acceptable, you know. Long hair, uh, whatever, everything, anything goes now after this time. Yeah, we, it, we, it is funny though, you know, because I, you know, I, it sounds like you haven't been around too many people as far as you know going out and running, yeah. but. And I don't see it at running, but like going to Costco and stuff gets a little strange because I'm look, I'm still talking to people that I know and stuff, but they're harder to recognize now. Right. And there's that, there's like this fear factor, like, you know, I, I got to get out of here and you almost don't want to run into people and you don't, but you don't want to be rude either, especially if you know somebody and you're, you're physically distanced and just a strange, it's a strange time right now. Yeah, I'm glad to see that the high schools are going to also, they're going to have, they can't call them parades, but I guess they're going to have processions this week where uh, the Good, yeah. graduates are going to be able to go out, you know, in cars and stuff and be honored as they should be. I was lucky enough to run into an HPA graduate up on uh, where I run, and I asked him if I could take a photo and stuff of him, his parents oh, were there and stuff, and it was Really, really, I, I cried afterwards because it was really yep. special to see him out there and to see uh, his family and how proud they were of him. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing, seeing everybody put up posters and banners on their houses and, you know, really recognizing the graduates. And, you know, they're getting a bum, bum year this year, but uh, I think the people are making the best of it, you know, and they're being creative for yeah. sure. So that's good to it's see. Have you had a desire to, I don't know if you've had, you haven't gone back to Boston and done Boston again? Um, I've been wanting to go. I just, it, it did not, it didn't work out every year I was going to do it. And, you know, I got to qualify again. And I don't know if I'm, I'm getting up there in years, maybe it's going to get easier. Who knows? You know, it's that, that the level you're, you slow down, but you're getting older, but then there are some fast. So I don't know. We'll see. It's not like on the bucket list. But I would like to go back. It was quite an experience. I'd like to go back in under better circumstances. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm still um, somehow in my head. I can't get it together about Honolulu Marathon either. I just don't. Yep. I don't know if that's going to happen. To be honest. Yeah, that's one I do every year. That's I've got my 15th in a row this year if it's on. So I want to keep going with with Honolulu for sure. I just always love that race. It's kind of my home race and um you know that's where i got my start that's that's my first race and my most memorable race so uh, we'll see we'll see what happens this year i don't I, it's it's far enough out it might be okay but who knows who knows at this point we'll see what yeah. happens have you had any desire to do any of the virtual races out there um i did when the, the i was supposed to do the one i mentioned in um california in april the 70.3 i did that one virtually I actually signed up on ironman.com but i don't have a gps uh, watch so you know it wasn't counted but it was a virtual race you know i didn't get the t-shirt or whatever they were offering but uh i didn't do the swim but i did i did the half ironman on that day and i felt good it felt good to do that good congratulations yeah i was thinking i know this weekend it was supposed to be sunday was supposed to be the uh trash can triathlon uh team mango race and stuff and 
I'm still yeah. debating uh, whether or not to do it up here in Waimea. You know, I would run a mile for the swim and right. then do the bike ride. And then I pick up trash anyway, you know, when I'm running. And right. But well, I, I know the last, the last P-Man was they, they had people go down at different times. And yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, it's still great to see that people were still supporting, you know, our little community races because I think that's important. You know, I think yeah, there's a couple of things too. Nutritionally, it's been great to see people support the local farms. Have you been getting any of your produce from a local farm? Um, yeah, we have a local farm. We've been doing this for years. Uh, we get a share every other week. So uh, that's been good. Um, even donated some little, little extra money to them because I know they're going to have a hard time. Hopefully things have picked up, you know, now people being at home. And then I got my garden going uh, right afterwards and I've got all kinds of greens coming out. Um, so I'm trying to grow more at home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, I hope it continues on. I know I've been uh, getting uh, fresh uh, produce from a farm up uh, where I run and stuff too. And it's been great to spend 15 bucks and get a whole big bag of yeah. fresh stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. feels good. So is there anything that you'd like, to, any kind of message that you want to send out to people if you want to have, if, I, I don't know if you want to have people contact you or how, how they can get a hold of you, but is there anything you want to maybe say um, to people right now? Um, just a real general message, I guess. I mean, I'm just thankful for our community here and like what you're doing, Joe, during this time. You know, it's really important to keep in touch with each other, even if it's just in front of a computer, uh, computer train, computer <laughs> I talk right now. It's, it's been a long interview. <laughs> video screen. Let's say video screen. Um, that's super important. You know, I know a lot of people's mental health might be suffering right now, but you got to maintain that contact. I do a lot of Zoom calls. And I think things are changing. We can be able to get out there a little bit more, um, see people. Um, but I just think that's so important. And, you know, it's, it's just like there's so many things you can do to be healthy. And, you, and you got to do them all. Unfortunately, you got to eat right. You got to exercise and you got to maintain the social, um, you know, dynamic We're humans, we need social contact and, uh, don't isolate yourself and, you know, do whatever you can to make yourself happy. It's, it's, uh, it's hard times. And if you don't have a job or something, it's going to be even harder. So my heart goes out to those people and hopefully there's, you know, the good things are going to come out and it's going to take, it's going to be an adjustment, but we're going to get, get through this time. So thank you, John. Thank you for maintaining social contact with me. Yes, exactly. I'd like to give you a high five, Joe, but uh, we can do a fist bump. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mahalo to John Joe Keel for his time today. John's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on. Um, and thanks, I mean, that he was able to uh, share part of his story uh, many, many things that I had no idea that he was doing or had done in the past and stuff. So it was great to be able to talk with talk story with John for a while here today. And we'll be posting uh, a um, charity that you can donate to uh, if you'd like the podcast here. And hopefully you can donate to it even if you didn't like the podcast. So uh, thanks again, uh, John, for uh, being a hero for a lot of people and being somebody who, uh, is a very fast runner. He's really fast. Trust me. Trust me, folks. So again, mahalo for listening or viewing. Aloha.